Yes. Awesome. Hi, everybody. All right, guys. Uh, oh, I'm all happy you're here. Boy, it's been a very interesting day for me. Uh, and I haven't even left my apartment. Uh, I've been really thinking a lot, a lot of stuff. I feel I'm hoping to share some things to you today that I'm really excited about, but I'm also a little worried about. I have my graph paper. I'm going to have to explain some stuff. So. Uh, first things first is that I don't know if you guys have noticed if you guys have been any of you have been watching my Instagram streams that I used to do before switching to twitch here uh, the last week or so I've had a bit of a um, a bit of a Satori moment a bit of a uh, just sort of a bit of an all-around mental reorganization ego death to put it very bluntly and the result of it is that I've been gifted really with a and it's not out of the blue. It's building on other insights that I've been struggling with my entire adult life. But now they're finally crystallized into a truth and reality that I've honestly found to be basically, if you ask me, to put it bluntly, if you ask me, like, what's the meaning of life? I have an answer. Uh, that it satisfies me. That's all I can do. I cannot satisfy anybody else because I can't translate the feeling to them. So I have the meaning of life. And of course, you might say, sure. A lot of people say that. And I bet most of them are telling the truth. The problem is, I have to try to communicate it to you guys. And I will not succeed. I will only get part of it out. And the question is, I'm trying to balance, frankly, guys, I'm trying to balance getting this out in a way that inspires enough people to see something to it, to talk to me about, and maybe... Because the thing is, I'm only going to keep thinking this and only going to know this truth if I keep acting it every day. There's no such thing as unacted upon beliefs. So... If I'm going to believe that this is true, I have to act that way, which means I have to interact with the world that way, and that means that if I interact with other people that way, they will see the truth of it just through my actions. And then they will reflect those to me, and it will make it easier for me to live this because I will be making reality around me in the image of this knowledge because it's guiding my actions. So that's, that's the long and short of that I have to try to get this across to people. That's the only way I'm going to keep it. It's the only way I'm going to keep the fire. Uh, the only way I'm keeping the fire in uh, is if I keep putting it out there and trying to explain it. Because I'm explaining it to myself, too. Because I'm using poor instruments, words, symbols, to try to get at something that's beyond those. Uh, but anyway, I have to try to get it to enough people that people can like get it, believe in it, and we can all talk about it, and it can reify it. Or... Uh, people think I'm a cult-leading psychopath and stop uh, paying attention to me, and then I become someone on the street corner with a newspaper diaper uh, trying to get people, you know, to accept that I am the living God and getting tased by the cops and put on YouTube. I do not want that. So that means that I have to be very, very careful about how I try to communicate these ideas. And so I'm not going to start at this level because it's just, you can't get there. The way to get there is by starting back here with the material here and now this space-time. And that's where we are, and so we need to talk about concrete examples that people can get their head around. So anyway, this is all a long st st way of saying that when I woke up this morning, I had a realization about Twitter, which is that it cannot be a, a place where fruitful conversations happen, or at least not fruitful enough to be worth the effort of doing them. Uh, now, I'd always kind of believe that, but one of the things that this whole revelation has given me is the knowledge that I didn't really know why I believed a lot of the things I believed. And now that I've interrogated them, I found that some of them I only thought I believed and don't really believe, but some of them I did believe, but just not for the full reason. I wasn't all the way to the ground of why. And I realize now the foundational, fundamental reason that Twitter cannot be used as a, a constructive place for argumentation or persuasion or the pursuit of truth is that it is a of anti-dialectical space that trying to pursue specifically socialism on Twitter is inherently impossible because it is because socialism, like all intellectual traditions and all uh, uh, all political movements, eventually starts as a uh, a dialectical process, and Twitter conversation dis defeats dialectical reasoning because. Even though everybody on the terrain of Twitter might have the 
the, the, the shared hope for creating socialism. Like, give everybody benefit of good faith. They actually do want socialism. But they have to communicate that sense of wanting socialism on a space where their individual material incentives to act are not towards the sort of collaboration with other intelligences that would lead to an answer and a practice out of that answer, praxis, uh, it leads you to competing with one another to try to be different than other people so that people will notice you because your ego is guiding the process, which is what competition seeks. Whereas cooperation is dissolving the ego to some degree to, cooperate, to facilitate cooperation. So that means that we're all out there, when we're taking on Twitter, our goal is to be noticed. And that notice can take the form of everything from a like to a follow to becoming a podcaster, to getting noticed, to having people take you seriously. And the only way you can do that is if you, stand, if you point out your difference from somebody else. This is also known as leftist infighting. Now the thing is, is that there are real conflicts. These conflicts are not made up. But the problem is they cannot be resolved now because to resolve them is to ruin your position in the hierarchy you've established. You have no interest now in actually resolving the problem because then you're just part of the mass and you're not special anymore. That is a genuine problem that besets anyone trying to get any socialist idea across on Twitter. And it doesn't mean we can't get to some truth. We do. It's just very, very inefficient use of time. It's like, it's like trying to... Uh, it's like cutting down a fucking uh, sequoia uh, uh, with like a hand axe. You could do it. With enough time and enough people, you could chop down a sequoia with hand, hand axes. But no one would because it would be a wildly inefficient use of resources time, energy, uh, and material. Uh, and it's the same way. You can get there on Twitter, but my God, it's about the least efficient way you can. So don't, so don't not be on Twitter because honestly what Twitter is, it's not for politics, it's for friendships. As much as that is goofy to say, as much as you think, no, I go on Twitter to own people. Yeah, but you own people so your friends notice and they like you more. It's about friendship. And politics is just one of the ways that we create the friendship. And then that friendship in the market turns into monetization and parasocial relationships and all that stuff. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, uh, you are stuck in this relationship where you can't get to your, your incentives, your direct material incentives, which are going to inform your actions more than your theoretical belief in socialism because it's closer to your material reality and conditions means that you will, socialism will lose every time. In the battle between the ego and socialism, it will lose because that's where your actions are. That's where your beliefs are. They're not at, they're not, your, your praxis is not at the level of socialism. It's at the level of competing within this, uh, this friend network. So go online to have friends. And go online to listen to people who you think have something interesting to say. And they will often point out what they have interesting to say by pressing it up against wrong things. And you can make fun of the people who are wrong. But know that it can only be that. It can never give you any kind of real insight. It's just about increasing social bonds. The work, the intellectual work is done with them within or off of Twitter. And mostly through encounter with the real world in the form of doing things, activism, outside of the house, out of the cyber realm. The place where the rubber literally hits the road, where friction accumulates, where the dialectical process is manifested in, in the material world. It literally becomes the spirit of uh, the machine. Okay, wait a minute. Don't want to go off too far here. Uh, don't want to get you guys thinking I'm insane again. Don't want to get, get, I don't want to get 5150. Um, shit. Alright. So... Anyway, this is all to say that, that Twitter cannot do what you want it to do. And that you, to do what you want to do, which is live as a socialist and feel in, living in accordance with your, uh, with your beliefs, which is closer to being a fully actualized person than being the matamaton who does, you know, like when they talk about uh, 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 small-souled bug men, that isn't not, that's talking about a real thing. Like, instead of having, instead of feeling real validation like you are, uh, because you feel like you're actualizing yourself through the pursuit of socialism in your life. You get to do a pseudo world where you watch Netflix and you jack off 
uh, and you eat uh, compressed soy and uh, corn products, and then you find those meat, those transient joys, you, you put fake meaning in them instead. But that's not because of, uh, the, the Pepe's aren't right of why that is. That's because you're, you're, in a, you're captured in a matrix of capitalism and you have a material need to solve your closest pain. And so that's always going to put you in conflict with the greater need to like, push against it, which is why you have to always be thinking about what you're, why you're thinking what you're thinking. Putting yourself in place and time at all points. Being mindful, to use a hippie term for it, because then you can actually get motivated to do it because you know why you're doing it. You need to know why you're doing anything. Like I finally realized, because I, I finally realized, uh, I had noticed, uh, talking about Jordan Peterson, I had noticed that Jordan Peterson got kids to pick up in a room when their parents telling them couldn't. And I used to think it was because they recognized Jordan Peterson from like the matrix of online and online was like their new... Uh, parents and so they listened there more that was incorrect i was wrong about that now i understand the reason that they picked up the room and thought it was incredible to hear it from jordan peterson from compared to their parents is because jordan peterson told them why they should pick up their rooms he told them that it would make their lives better it would give them more control over their their lives and sense of destiny it would make them it would put them on a better path of action and in parents just tell you to do it. You say, why? And it's because they're tired and because they have other things. They don't have the bandwidth. They say, because I said so. And then it's just, I'm doing something that is in the short term unpleasant for no reason. Just for, as a favor to my mom. You have to be self-motivated to do anything consistently. And so, the, and so all we have are these petty self-motivations of like, you know, pleasure, which lead to hedonism and destruction. But we can't cultivate anything deeper because we don't have beliefs to motivate it. We don't have beliefs to motivate behavior. And, and, and Peterson gives beliefs to motivate the behavior of cleaning a room the way that your parents didn't. And that's what I mean by levels of, uh, of like reality. Because like I was right at the level that you know there was a difference between... Uh, I, w I didn't know why... That work before and now I do. Like I'm now I now am writer than I used to be because I know different things. Because different things have happened to me. Oh boy. Alright, I'm trying to reel this back in. I feel like I keep floating off and I gotta like get the, the fucking Coast Guard to bring me back. Alright. Uh but yes, someone says it's socially motivated. The sum total of our our self, the sum total of free will is the interaction with other people. That all of our, we're t so never mind. So I address that just not now because it's going to get me off on a thing and I don't really have the language for it. But trust me, I know what you're talking about and I understand what that objection is and it, I can explain why that doesn't, uh, that is irrelevant. Um, oh my God, I got to get back to what I was going to say. I'm going to get killed. They're going to fucking throw me off of Twitch now and you guys are all going to stop watching. Oh God. Uh, I'm getting worried here. All right. What was I saying? Twitter. Not good. Not a place to find any kind of, uh, of, of meaningful conversation that's going to resolve towards truth. You're only going to see people motivated to reify uh, 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 the conflict. And the way you know that, by the way, uh, is that the, the, way that the mechanism of that is this. Like, say you've got two sides of an argument on any given issue. Like, what is to the left of this or, or this course of action or this, tr this position? be it like the ID Paul Stupid Bowl, any million arguments you can imagine. If any person on one of the two sides is the first to acknowledge the premise, the correct premise that the other person is acting on that arise from true observations of reality, if the first person to do that will then be pointed out as a heretic to maintain the other person's position because you need to always be in contrasting your leftness with somebody else's insufficient leftness. So the movement, the dialectical movement that is needed to resolve these things is made impossible by the social nature of it because the incentives are towards individualizing and building a brand like we did, like everyone online is trying to do consciously or subconsciously. So that's why you can't do it on Twitter. And so 
I pop on Twitter because I'm not going to stop being on Twitter. I have DMs where I have a lot of friends I like to talk to. I like to do jokes sometimes and have jokes with my friends. That's what I try to do with Twitter. That's what I've tried to do before, and I'm just resolving to do it more now. And then sure enough, though, the first thing I see is a fucking clip of Nathan Robinson saying not only saying that Karl Marx should never have been born and that things like class conflict and historical materialism are, are not really convincing or like, and it's like, oh my God, because it's not like I necessarily even am getting mad at him because part of this this new approach to reality is to accept everyone's historically contingent nature and that Nathan Robinson is not the way he is for any personal reason that goes beyond the accumulation of behaviors or of activities and, 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 and situations that have led to him being like I, he is just a product of mechanical unfolding of the universe. I mean, and he still has to, I just, I have to treat him that way. If it's true or not, I have to treat him that way in order for me to deal with him rationally and not just through anger. So I tried not to be angry at him, but I was still like, I don't want to, I, I resolved not to argue on Twitter anymore. In fact, I deleted a tweet I was going to do or I was going to argue something with somebody. And then I saw that and I said, this is so dangerously wrong. This attitude is so like, up now especially feeling what I feel, I feel like this is so dangerously wrong-headed that someone needs to say something. And so I went on Twitter, and then as soon as I tried to compose this tweet, all of the bad incentives that make Twitter a bad place for communication start kicking in. The main one being is that every tweet is powered by some sort of insecurity, a desire to perform something for others so that they will reintroduce that quality to you, that you will, you will feel that they feel you're the way you want them to think you are. And that's why you tweet. And so I can't just say this is a this you know, dialect, you know, like these are foundational uh, elements of like any kind of uh, 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 um, social movement that has any hope of, uh, of conquering capitalism. But that's just scolding and that's not fun. And that's not, you know, that's not Chapo brand. So I say, no, I can't do that. So I say... If anybody wants to replace Marx with Robinson, because the, under, the undercurrent of my critique is, who do you think you are, basically? Uh, and and uh, so I say, look at his uh, peacock outfit, because there's pictures of him in like a Mardi Gras outfit where he looks kind of goofy, just honestly. Uh, and of course, he's known for his weird, bizarre uh, affected dress and accent and stuff. It's like he's a self-conscious character. It's fine. He's, a, he's Truman Capote of the American left, whatever. Um... And so I just wanted a shortcut. I didn't want to argue through it because that's not fun. So I just wanted a semantic shortcut to check out this goofball. He's a 30-year-old weirdo. Why would he know more than Marx? And of course, that gets at a truth, which is that, I'm sorry, Marx knows more than Nathan Robinson because Marx's understanding of the dialect goes deeper than his does. His understanding of material reality observed from empirical observation and his intellect and his empathy uh, combining uh, have rendered him more an accurate viewer of how the world is. And so if people listen to Nathan Robinson instead of Karl Marx, they're gonna, it's going to be harder for them to get the right conclusions because they're going to start from the wrong premises. And so I felt like I had to say something, but I just said it in a snarky way. And I'm sorry to Nathan, honestly, for insulting him. It's like, I'm not going to do that anymore because it doesn't do anything. Because all it did was it told everybody who likes Nathan Robinson and, like, They've invested liking Nathan Robinson as part of what makes them a good person and a good leftist. A good leftist and therefore a good person. And so to attack that is to attack their central, their sense of being. Of course they're going to fight back. And it's never going to be about the actual train of the argument. They're defending a key component of their identity. How is that ever going to be able to, to be talked about rationally? Especially when you're talking about an online space where we, neither one of us can guarantee the good faith of the other. And it just exploded. And I realized, oh... This was, see, I have made things worse. The, him just saying that would have been X amount of unhelpful, but me pointing it out has actually reified this anti-dialect and made things worse in the long run. Like, I've actually affected the world for the worse. I lost good place points, if anyone's seen that show. And I'm like, damn, I can't do that anymore. Shit. So I've been trying since then, before now, to 
answer people who've responded to me in some of the comments with as open a heart as possible to try to get at what I was trying to say. And just, you know, if I feel like I can answer a question confidently, if I feel like I can, uh, I have enough of an understanding of like how this fits into my overall view of the world, uh, then I can say, I'll answer. And I have been. And it's been it's been a good exercise. It's making me like feel more confident in myself. And the thing is, you're, the more confident you are in your beliefs, the less emotional you are about them, the better you are about arguing at them. So much of like uh, the deplatforming mania that's on both sides of politics is essentially people reifying their insecurity and in their beliefs. Like the they 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 cannot comprehend. They can't. The idea of debating or engaging with another idea is anathema because their belief is brittle enough. And they fear that there is someone who understands things more than them and could make them not believe what they believe anymore. But those beliefs are so deeply tied to their sense of identity that that, that is terrifying and threatening. Uh, but if they, but the thing is, one group is right and one group is wrong. You don't have to just say both sides. No, one side's right, the other side is wrong. But uh, the side that's right in this case might not be right enough to recognize how right they are and therefore doesn't have the confidence uh, and emotional uh, endurance to really think through everything they believe. So, anyway. So I said what I said, and I've kind of boiled it down to a little drawing I want to put here. So this is, this is me trying to divorce my critique of Nathan Robinson's dismissal of Marx without any personal invective and without any any slant towards uh, towards ad the wretched ad hominem or anything else. This is purely trying to contextualize the dispute. And I'm going to use a piece of paper here to try to get it across because I will not, like I said, I really don't want to look like a crazy person. And I know gra putting out a graph doesn't necessarily help you uh, relieve your mind on that case, but I'm just going to see if it's helpful for me. So, we've got two firmaments here. This is broad, and these categories suppress other categories that are more complicated, but they're not necessary. You guys can see this, alright? So there's Here's the world as it is. This is the world we live in. It sucks. We hate it. We recognize that it's bad because we're alienated from our time and our labor. That makes things shitty. That makes us want to die, but also afraid of dying. You got up here. Socialism, let's say. Broadly construed because we're trying to do big tent. We're going to take good, on good faith everybody's claim that they are a socialist when they say they are. So Nathan Robinson, I believe he's a socialist. Okay? Because he wants this. I believe, because why, I can't, how will I ever prove he isn't to anyone's satisfaction? It'd be impossible. You're asking me to, like, dissect his soul. All we can say is, does he act as though that he wants socialism? And it seems as though he does. But he lives down here. We all live down here, and we all have to build a bridge. First through thought, then through action, praxis, that is then collectively endeavored towards the goal. If you get enough people pushing in the same direction, you can get here. But they all have to be doing it together. That's cooperation, that's socialism, that's communism, that's everything. Okay, so that's what, so the thing is, how do you get it? What's the engine? What's the thought engine that drives this from is to should be? Okay, I would say that Marx, because he emerged at the moment that capitalism emerged. That's not a coincidence. He was historically contingent. Marx emerged when he did because he was seeing the beginning of capitalism. He grasped all of its contours. And so that is why his analysis of capitalism is the single most important one. It doesn't mean he was right about everything. It doesn't even mean he was right on, on balance in some way. Every, most things. It means he was right on the most basic things that you build from. 
because you can say, well, Marx didn't anticipate uh, ecology, and Marx didn't anticipate feminism, or Marx didn't anticipate racism. Marx didn't anticipate um, technological advancement. Marx didn't anticipate like how far imperialism would extend uh, capitalism's ability to expand market sh uh, and, and increase inputs. Yeah, because he died in 1881. He, he could only observe, he could create models and then observe them and play out reality only in front of him. We have to add on, but we add starting with the marks. And what Nathan Robinson is saying essentially is replace marks with me. Because if it's not marks, then who is it? Well, it's got to, the guy, the guy tells you to discard marks and you're starting from scratch and trying to figure out how to get from here to here. You have no roadmap. Who are you going to trust more than the guy that just told you to give away the foundational guy of the whole thing, the foundational set of ideas? And I'm saying that because Nathan Robinson exists so far away from the Big Bang of capitalism, that he is such a liberal subject as we all are. He is so suffused with the liberalism that is redounded through the cultural superstructure over the last 200 years that his insights will not go as deep as Marx's were because he was there at the temporal beginning. He wasn't captured by the ideology of capitalism yet because he hadn't grown up under it. Nathan Robinson is captured as I am, as everyone reading this is, by the ideology of capitalism. So we all have to come together and take everything that came before us and everything that we see around us to build enough to counteract that ideology. And you start with something like Marx. You cannot start with nothing because then you are in thin air. You are a late capitalist subject trying to bootstrap yourself into a third, uh, into a into an observational point of view of capitalism that you cannot have because you're inside of it. It's Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. You are in capitalism, you're embedded in it. You cannot uh, be outside of it to see where you are. But Marx could because he didn't grow up under it. And that's why he is so disastrously wrong to say that we shouldn't have had Marx because that means that those things still would have come up those insights would still be there, people would still articulate them, but they would have articulated them later, which would have meant they would have articulated them with less specificity, and it would have been harder to build on them. It would be literally retarding progress, because it retards the dialectic, because Marxism emerges to come into conflict with the reality of capitalism and create new realities. That's the dialectic history, and it's like, I didn't get it for a long time. I assumed it was right because I assumed I agreed with other parts of Marx. I was like, I agree with all this stuff about Marx about like class struggle. I see it's clearly true. I'm not so sure about the dialectic, so I will just say I agree with that part. Problem is that means I don't really believe in Marxism that much because I can't justify it beyond that level. And that leaves me vulnerable. That leaves me feeling insecure about it. And when you reach that point, there are two things to do. You can either say, well, Marx is wrong, or you can say, I am going to try to figure it out. Why do I believe this? Why? What principles does class struggle come from? And that's where you get to the basic stuff, like historical materialism, and then on top of that, dialectical materialism. Like, first the observation, the observation of the material conditions, and then the notion that they are driven by conflict between ideas, which is then turned at the higher level into class struggle. There's class struggle. They're all built on top of one another. Now, we're stuck here because intervening technology, this is where Marx dies, basically. Marx dies here. Now we've got this time here, we have intervening time, we have new technology, we have empire, we have the world wars, we have all this stuff, but we still have to get there and Marx can't help us anymore. So now what do we do? We build on top of this with other stuff, stuff about ecology, stuff about race, stuff about gender, uh, stuff about technology, stuff about uh, computers, uh, all that stuff. You add it on top. You add it on top of the base here. Now. What Nathan Robinson is doing by rejecting this stuff because he didn't understand it and didn't either have the patience or brains 
to study it until he did, rejects it and says, it must not be true because I don't understand it. No, you don't understand it. And to you, therefore, it isn't true. If you understood it, you could reject it and say, no, this entire premise is wrong, but it flows to every other principle you're talking about. It flows. The dialectic flows all the way up from, from the historical materialism to the dialectic materialism to the class struggle. It all flows up towards a state of actual existing socialism for all humankind. The actual end point of teleological uh, uh, Marxism. If you say no to that, what you're basing it on, like you're basically basing it on liberal concepts of uh, morality. Now, if you're off here, if you're Nathan Robinson, you're going off. And you know where this is? You know what that arrow is up there? That arrow is liberal personal individualism. Because that's what, that's what like anarchism is, as Chomsky has admitted. Anarchist traditions and things of that nature exist to try to get to socialism, try to get to socialism without a basis of materialism. And what they do instead is they say, well, we are morally required to create a just society because we all are individual beings with individual rights. But that creates, the only way to adjudicate the idea of us all being monads like that is through market transactions, which necessitates capitalism. So it creates liberal subjects. And now liberal subjects, if they're given enough time and resources, might get to socialism, but given the constraints of resources on a planet, over time, that will likely lead to destruction before it gets to socialism. And guess what? It'll eventually pass to the stage of, so, of understanding. It'll eventually resolve to a point where it incorporates Marxism, but it'll be way, way, way later and less effectively. It just started raining. Uh... Uh, no, I'm not, I don't mean I don't mean markets. I mean market transactions are the only transactions you can have if the basis for your understanding of, of, of material reality is along individual uh, uh, individual moral lines. The idea that we're all individuals with individual morality, like those things, have endowed meaning. That leads either to uh, 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 religious uh, fundamentalism, at, which has to be overcome, which is another obstacle, uh, or it leads. Uh, to total uh, atomization, which only reinforces capitalism at every level. All right. God damn it. It's raining through the slats here. I'm getting rained on. I'm getting dabbed on, guys. Uh, shit, I might have to go inside. All right. Uh, guys, we're going to be Oscar Mike here in a second. Uh, watch, watch your perimeter. Please don't dox anything you might see. Hi guys. Uh, thank you for bearing with me during the trek there. I'm still on. It's raining out. Uh, how are you guys doing now? Now I can. Uh, all right. So that was what I was trying to say. I wanted to get that off of my chest. The Nathan Robinson thing. So. Uh, so anyway. So the thing to say then about him is. It means he's wrong, but then people say, well, does, like, immediately when, if you criticize him, I saw people saying, totally, understandably, you want to throw him out of the discourse, you think he's a fraud, you want to supplant him with your own identity. It's like, you are totally reasonable to worry about that, because that's what you should have come to expect from other people on this platform, because that's what uh, behavior is rewarded. So totally understand that. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, so that's, there's no way for me to, like, responsibly uh, uh, and successfully critique him on that platform without people taking it the wrong way because that's the only way that they've been trained to take things there. So I am done. This is a long way of saying that I am done uh, dunking on anyone on Twitter 
other than evil, like, you know, goblins, I will not be, uh, I will not be dunking on anyone's ideological, uh, 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 disinclinations or, uh, or, like, ideological failings. I'll stick clearly to material goof-em-ups, like, uh, people telling you about who to vote for and shit like that, because that is much more concrete. That you can argue and bat around. And it doesn't cause such deep semantic confusion as mucking around in important fucking theoretical shit and just turning it all into mush. Just turning it all into a bunch of mush that nobody understands, but everybody thinks they have to to maintain the ideologies and the identities that they have value now. Like, instead of creating their own identities, they've grabbed one off the rack in the form of socialism or whatever, alt-right, anything. Any kind of uh, political identity online is a substitute for the identity that we can't create through uh, like true use of our time because it's alienated. Uh. So, I'm done with all that. I will be, uh, I will be using the internet, uh, uh, I will be trying to rededicate to myself to only using Twitter for funsies. Just having fun. Uh, uh, you guys got any questions? Uh, anybody got any questions? Man, I gotta say, it's kind of funny to imagine this many people listening to this. I'm a little worried that I'm, that I'm rendering myself, uh, a laughing stock, uh, of the, uh, of the new web intelligentsia with this. I'm a little worried. Anything that Mark's got wrong, he got wrong at a higher degree of uh, abstraction from reality than everything else. He got wrong the way that all good thinkers get wrong in one direction. You, you're building on a base. All, all thought, all belief, all, everything is built on a base. It's an, and that's the engine. Uh, and so the things he got wrong were at the edges. Like a question like the declining rate of profit, that really is something that he couldn't totally predict because a lot of it has to do with exigencies that he wouldn't have been able to uh, uh, conceive of because he didn't realize what technology was going to do. Like he, and he couldn't have because he was, he was fixed in the space-time of the late 1700s. So that's a thing that he might be wrong about. Now, a lot of people, crisis theory, say no, he's 100% right of uh, the creative laughter to Paul. The, the, uh, the, the declining rate of profit. And the thing is, I think that he is right in the broad sense that that will happen just due to the reality of... I mean, I don't understand how anyone can deny that the... How do you deny the declining... The, 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 the tendency of the rate of profit to decline over time and the second law of thermodynamics? How can you believe... How can you not believe both of those? They're expressions of the same reality. They're expressions of the same underlying uh, function of matter over time, which is to lose energy, lose... lose uh, 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 lose in translation and lose over transmission. So it's banally true that the, so when people say he was wrong, what they mean was it didn't happen on a time scale that he predicted. Well, no shit. He was fucking guessing on what was going to happen. He didn't realize the extent to which colonialism uh, would extend uh, the, the lifetime of the super profits of capitalism. Uh, like as, and then Lenin, Lenin had to point that out because fucking Marx was dead. He wasn't going to understand what te technology was going to do in terms of like destroying a lot of presumptions about like Malthusian limits. Uh, th those are all mistakes, but they're just mistakes of not having enough information. His basic me methodological approach to reality was correct. But now we have to refine it because things have happened since then and we're responding to a different reality, a fundamental different reality than the one he was describing. It's a different world, and we don't think of it that way because we don't think of our place of ourselves as fixed in place and time in relationship to other things. All right, you guys got any questions? Labor theory of value is another one of those ones where declining rate of profit, where it's like, that's so true, it's banally true. It's, it's, it's implicit in existence. Labor is value. They're, they're the same thing. Labor, and, labor is value the same way the time is space. They occupy the same, they occupy the same space-time 
uh, 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 quadrant at any given moment. Well, you cannot have one without the other in equal measure. So what the fuck are you even talking about? All that marginal evolution shit is at a higher level of abstraction that's gone off kilter because now you're trying to reinforce capitalism instead of move towards transcendence, which is what we should be doing. Yeah, see, people are like, ah, diamonds in water, dude. Rope, nope, nope. Higher level of abstraction. At a higher level of abstraction, yeah, you can find value in things that aren't directly tied to labor. But that's because they've been abstracted away from the fundamental relationship, which is just value in labor. Chomsky, God bless him, is a liberal, and he says he is, which is why I don't understand anarchists who get mad when you point that out. Anarchism is liberalism. It is a higher stage of liberalism. Anarchism is like the highest stage you can get of liberalism towards justice before it breaks down due to its internal contradictions. So it is more advanced than liberalism. It is a form of liberalism. That's the thing, is that these categories are all gradients of one another. They are not binary categories. They are, but then that dissolves over time. So, like, through the accumulation of practice, anarchism is a superior and more progressive form of liberalism, but it comes from liberalism. And because a liberalism is now just a slur and a slander that you throw on people you don't like on Twitter sh to show that you're to the left, like, why does everyone call everybody liberal? Because then they're not part of the left, and that means you are. And people should pay attention to you, because you're not a liberal, because everyone understands that a liberal is out of the club. So instead of, because, like, anarchists could then accept, like, oh, am I a liberal? And maybe they'll find, you know what, I actually am a liberal. And then they're good. I am a liberal anarchist. But they insist on saying, no, I am a, I'm, I'm a fucking socialist. And it just confuses everything. Because they have to be on the left, they have to be liberal uh, socialists to be good. Because the reason all these political opinions matter so much to us is because of how little we use them. Because how much they are just in our heads. If we live them every day, we, they would be secure and we wouldn't have to reify them by having them reinforced by going on Twitter and having people tell us that we're good socialists. If we lived as good socialists, we wouldn't need to be told so we wouldn't have to go online and be socialists. And then we wouldn't have to be so touchy about who gets to call them that and we could actually examine the fucking questions on their merits instead of failing to understand the terrain of the argument. Because you need all of these people, like, people say, oh, you're saying you're not socialist. That doesn't mean you're bad, necessarily. It means that you're, you're carrying out your role. Everyone is not going to just change. Because, all right, I honestly think that the big fundamental problem here is that people who put their internet, the, the underlying theory of activism that underlies you going online, right, and saying your opinions. If you strip it of everything else and all self-dealing and all, like, all the stuff about, you know, wanting to uh, uh, make friends or whatever or influence people, and you just strip it to the actual original... Because there was at one point, before it got muddled, that there was a real desire to do good when you're seeing the shitty world. And if you could strip it down to that, what would it be? It would be, I want to go online to tell people what to do. The idea is, I will say, this is what you should believe, and by making people believe it, then they're going to do it. But look what happens. We say that, and then what does it convince other people to do? It convinces other people to do what we did, which is just say what we are. If you were out doing it, and I'm saying, I'm including myself in this, oh my God, do not think that I don't understand that I am more implicated by this than any single person on earth, that I am more an example of this rotten, failed system, uh, the, the, uh, more a curse of the demiurge. I understand that. I absolutely do. I, I don't know if I can do enough penance for it, uh, to, to gain credibility that I actually do believe that but trust me man I do I get it
Anyway, anybody got any questions? Anybody seen any good movies lately? These things move so fast, it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, that's what I'm working towards. It's like a unified field theory. Um, once again, I don't want to sound insane. But I'm going to try to lay out here the basic principle. This is like the thing that I would put on, uh, I would put on like a belt buckle or on a welcome mat or uh, like have embroidered on a sampler. Just the thing to remember every day to help me like think better. And uh, you guys can tell me I'm crazy or not. Uh, it's that the degree to which a being has consciousness, because consciousness comes in degrees, the degree to which beings have consciousness is the degree to which they can perceive time. All right. So that's all I'm going to say about that now. I'm going to try to talk more about this stuff in the future. Uh, yeah, if I feel if you feel like I've gone around the bend, please let me know because I'm going to just like kind of take a... The only way I can know how I'm doing with this in terms of getting it across, I know I'm right, but I don't know if I'm getting it across, is if people come back and tell me, dude, you're doing good, or dude, you sound insane. Uh, because then I need to know that I need to spend more time on refining my translations uh, so that they don't sound crazy. Okay, someone says I sound insane. Oh, no. A lot of people are so... You got a lot of... Got a lot, can we get a you sound insane in the in the, in the the chat? Can you, can you get a little you sound insane? Uh, yeah, that's the thing is, I don't want to be the time cube guy. Because the time cube guy, I don't think he was very happy. I don't think he felt like he was getting it across. Maybe he was. Maybe the time cube guy was ultimately happy because he thought he had done enough of a job. And maybe it is because maybe that means that there's one person in the world who will read time cube and become instantly enlightened at the end of it. That could happen. And if he did it to one person, he succeeded. So that means time cube guy was right. So tip of the hat to time cube guy. <coughs> the implications of my theory are ab absolutely universal but I can't predict what they are because they will only appear in the actual moment of use because that is when the dialect kicks in. Because that is, because like, that's what really hit me about the dialectic is that dialectical reasoning is the literal engine of all uh, existence. It's how the brain comes into consciousness and how the, uh, literally the universe comes into consciousness of itself. If this is acid communism, I mean, I took acid before I thought it up, and it's still, it's making me a much more, much better, more confident, uh, more nuanced communist. I say yes. I'll call it acid communism, though, because I feel like I am finally, for the first time, confident that I could even call myself something like that. Before, I eschewed labels because I didn't even know what I believed. I only know what I kind of thought was true. And I never pursued it deeply enough. And I have been, because I didn't have a way to do so, because... You, you are not taught to think you are taught to react and those aren't the same things uh, and because you're only taught to react and if you only react you will be an animal you will be a miserable creature too conscious of time uh, to enjoy life in like blissful unawareness of your own mortality um, but without any ability to enjoy to enjoy that sense Uh... <sighs> 
Yeah, like, I mean, the reason I was on All About Battle Call Saul last week is that I remember trying to write a think piece about um, about Prestige TV for a while. It was like my, one of my opinions, you know, like one of those little hip pocket things that was contrarian enough to gain notice and make you worth listening to because, hey, I'm saying something slightly different than what everyone else is saying. This is on just like a cultural level rather than a political one, but the same thing happens in politics. Uh, and then I had to like backfill it in with with what I had observed about uh, Prestige TV, which was that it was like this weird set of genre expectations. Uh, and I was able to only get to like this thing about how, well, you know, we like it because... Uh, we're too tired to read books anymore, but I couldn't like get to like why that is technic that actually is tragic. And now I actually get it stand it. It's not that the form it's not that the uh the it's not that oh, these shows aren't as good as the Sopranos. It's that even the Sopranos is a degraded version of art that should not have been that universally beloved because it was on television, because it was the product of uh, of a capitalist enterprise. It was as tainted as the attempt to build socialism on Twitter is the artistic impulse, the impulse towards morality. Those impulses are tainted by their association with the markets. And I couldn't get to that root of it. So I ended up being more, very superficial. And the thing I wrote for current affairs, hilariously, that I wrote about prestige TV. Now I feel like I didn't really get across what I was trying to say because I didn't really know why I was saying it. And now I get it because I've applied dialectical reasoning to it. It's like a mental Ginsu knife. See, here's the thing. I can't do math. So I can't do any of the math stuff. I have to try to enrich my understanding of this in the symbolic languages that I'm adept at, which are words and then symbols related to words. I have one of the most bifurcated minds on in human history. Uh, like the way I see it, math is the symbolic language of the material world, uh, uh, the intellect, and uh, words are the symbolic uh, representation of the spiritual, the emotional, the empathic. And I'm very good at those, but I'm very, very bad with math. And you can prove things in both ways, uh, but I can only be persuaded by ones that I can understand. And I cannot understand math-based proofs. So I have to try to like find other word symbolic regimens, semiotics, to build my uh, to build my confidence in this one. Because I'm only gonna keep believing this and having this inform my behavior for the better if I keep believing it. And that's only going to happen if other people reflect it back to me. Otherwise known as karma. This is also basically Buddhism, by the way. Uh, this is all just like, I'm trying to speak of Buddhism in a materialistic sense. But yeah, like you step one mech and this is Buddhism. So, spoiler alert. And the thing is, you know, it's also mystic Christianity. You know, whatever. It all ends up with a communion with the Godhead, which is time. Which is... Conce perception of time it's just different vocabularies different levels of uh, of cultural historical space-time fixedness that they emerge in yes everything is caused by everything else there is total determinism of all acts in the universe but we all in, a, in the moment are fully free to do anything And the funny thing is, is like, I, a lot of this stuff, people say like, I, Escher or whatever, or Schopenhauer, these are all things that I have never read, I'll admit it. Because, honestly, the main reason I, ne I never read any of, a lot of the really, like, heavy theory stuff is that the level of dialogue I would have with my friends and with people online was never deep enough to require it. So there was never a motivation on my part to actually dig, dig, dig into it because there was no suggestion that there was anything deeper. And now I feel like I understand the, the use and I understand like where these things fit. And I feel like for first that makes me think, oh, 
No, now I never have to read them. But what it really means is now I have to read them all because reading them reinforces them, both in my mind and then in my actions, which then reverberate out to everybody else, and then they bring them back to me. I don't know anything about math. That's the Fibonacci thing is kind of a joke. Yeah, and the first book that came along that made me think of that was Ulysses. I felt like, oh, I feel like Ulysses is a part of that, is an attempt to build a consciousness out of words, to, to use symbol, the, 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 the symbols of uh, language so finely that you have rendered a mind. So yeah, I'll try that. I'll try Girdle, uh Alan Watt, apparently. Uh, I would love to read some, uh, I'd love, love to read some Christian mysticism now. Uh, now that I feel like I can totally grapple with all uh, religious traditions. Uh, and of course, Buddhism. Yeah, because existentialism is like part of this. Like this is an edifice of different things driven through different uh, periods of time that reflect that reflect certain truths that we can then build on. Uh, and I think existentialism points towards that. Buddhism points towards it. Gnosticism before them. They all got at different points of the root of the of the change. Because uh. like all we're trying to do here is trying to figure out how to convince ourselves to do things we know are right. That's what praxis is. It's the furnace of the self because doing things right is putting off pleasure for yourself for other people. Why would you ever do that? It doesn't make rational sense. You have to put it off. One of the things that's helped you put it off is empathy for others because that gives you an investment in their, uh, in their happiness because it makes you happy. Uh, but the other... Uh, is knowledge that it will do good for you too. That it's not just altruism. Like, that's why, like, libertarianism, like, Ayn Rand is half of it. But the thing is, if you follow Ayn Rand, you die in the desert because there's nobody else. And nobody, you don't even have a language to understand yourself as you die because it denies the social. But it understands that there is an individual will that has an individual desire, but it must be tied to uh, uh, a collective will that leads towards a collective happiness because you have intellect and empathy in equal measures or in unequal measures depending on your person uh, what your personal like admixture of experiences is so that means that you have uh, so you have an individual will and you need to have a reason to want to do things not just for other people because that will get exhausting eventually you'll get sick of it you have to want to do it because it's good for you too if you just do things that are good for you, you become alone and then miserable. But the, the, So the way to square that is to you need to be doing things that mo make both things true. Make things good for others and good for yourself. And that means you have to both see things being done good to others and also know that you're making yourself better. So you have to believe it. You have to, it has to be convincing. So that is why you have to every day believe things. And that is perceiving time. That will make you do things that make you do it more. And that will make you do it more. And it will allow you to get to the top of Sisyphus's mountain, which is ego death, which is uh, a oneness with the universe, which is also, if we do it right, going to heaven when you die. As opposed to going to hell when you die, which is the fear and terror as darkness descends on you because you don't recognize any time instead of time's infinites. All right. So what do you guys think? What is, I, don't, I, uh, I realize, as I said, do I sound crazy, that once again I'm screwing up the symbolic order. If I want to get good in, in feedback, I can't ask binary questions. These are all on gradients. So if you guys could give me a percentage, sort of like you know how you can go to the you go to the grocery store and you get the 90-10 uh, 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 lean to fat ground beef, 
and then you can get like if it's a little richer you get like the 85 15 and you can get the like the really lean like the 99 one what percentage of in non insane am i sounding like how 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 uh how marbled with insanity is my uh is my legibility All right, I'm getting a lot of numbers here. Some very low ones, a couple of pretty good ones. See, the thing is, I don't know which ones of you are joking. I don't know which ones of you are giving me the business, so I can't really take these as true. I got to say, very surprised at how few said 69. There it is. Nice. Nice. All right, that's okay. Well, like I said, I'm going to try to live it every day. Uh, and have it come back to me in the form of a greater understanding of it that I can make it easier to articulate. But like I said, if it stops making sense, you know, I'm going to have to confront that and I'm going to have to confront where I went wrong because I went wrong somewhere. Maybe not yet, but I will in the future. It's inevitable. I will go wrong somewhere if I haven't already. And if I have, I got to find it. It's my duty to myself and everyone else because it's the same. There's no conflict. Uh, I have more viewers than Sasha Gray. That's very funny. What is she doing? Is she gaming? Who's gaming? Thank you for the subscription. Hey, so you guys, uh, so I don't really do a lot of Twitch thing a lot. This is, I'm new to it. This is only my second one on the, on here. What is, uh, so you guys, when you buy it, when you subscribe, that gives you the ability to do some cool, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, emotes, right? So what, how many guys, I guess this is just an indulgence for me since I haven't asked, before, I haven't been on here before. What, uh, how many emotes are there for me? How many emotes, how many cush emotes are there? Okay, I got a sleepy guy with my hat on from when I got really drunk. It looks like there's just one. They don't have a Joker one? That's too bad. Uh, are there any erotic emotes? Got any horny emotes out there? Where's the horny emotes? Well, alright. Uh, oh, yeah, it's about been about an hour and i'm trying to keep it around there because uh i don't know when the boys want to start streaming again uh so but i'll take a, probably a few questions before i hang up here if anyone's got anything Am I still Jokerified? I have now transcended Jokerfication. Jokerfication was a stage. I have transcended the Joker stage. I have emerged from my Joker pupa. Uh, first, I was Riddlerfied. Uh, I might be Penguinfied right now. I suspect I'm Penguinfied. Can I get a Penguinfied in the chat? Ah. Terry Eagleton I have read. He's very good. Uh, I think I really wish we had more nuclear energy. Uh, really, really wish that for Chernobyl it hadn't happened. Uh, we really went off the... We really fucked up by not doing uh, more nuclear energy. Uh, I don't know if it's too late or not, though, to do it at this point. But it was definitely a wrong turn. Because, like, it's so labor-intensive and it's so capital-intensive to make nuclear plants now. It's like, even though it is a green technology and it's definitely worth it, is it going to be worth the opportunity cost to to, for resources you could have used elsewhere? I'm not sure what the balance is. I just know it would be a lot easier if we had a lot more working nuclear plants right now. Uh, I was out on the North Fork of Long Island last a couple years ago and I drove by what looked like a 60s style uh, nuclear uh, reactor and I went over and I like 
I, I took a picture of it and I found it online. And yeah, there's this nuclear reactor that was put that was built on the North Fork of Long Island in the 80s. And it was going to power that area. And then fucking Three Mile Island happened while they were still trying to put it together. And the local officials in all the towns got together and said that they weren't going to sign off on a necessary disaster plan to deal with the potential for uh, a, a problem. And so he never put it online. The thing cost billions of dollars and is just sitting there. And it's just, God damn it, such a missed opportunity. Mainly because the people who needed to know how direly dangerous carbon emissions were going to be weren't aware yet. The only, most of the people who knew were fucking uh, in, employed by the goddamn oil companies. All right, I got to go, guys. This has been a lot of fun. We'll do it tomorrow. Uh, once again, let me know how I'm doing. I need to keep, I need to stay above 50-50. I know that. That's my goal. 55 and above. That'll be my slogan. 55 and up. Bye-bye.